one's like chatting. <laughs> She's a breastfed baby. Like she's gonna be great. But yeah, I, I... I want to use the Bible in the pew. It's on page 479, uh, or I'll have it on the screen if that's more comfortable for you. But we're in the middle of a series called Shadow and Light, and speaking to the reality that of what Jesus has done in coming to Earth to be born. Um, to be amongst us, to walk amongst us, to love us, to provide life for us. And we'll be talking about what that looks like to have um, this, that light coming into the darkness, that kind of idea. Uh, Before we get into the message today, I just want to pray and ask that God would speak to us and encourage us and speak through his word. So let's pray together. Uh, God, we we come together as a church just to say thank you for the season. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for coming to walk amongst us, to live amongst us, to provide life for us. God, we thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for being so intimately aware of everything that we go through and being present with us, caring for us, providing and protecting us, God. I pray that you would help us know those truths this morning. I pray that your word would become real to us, that any distractions that we have, that you would just remove those things, God, and we would be able to hear from you. I pray that you would speak and give us ears to hear. In your name we pray, amen. So here's the question I want to ask, and this isn't rhetorical. You have permission to answer this in church, all right? I want to know, what is the Christmas gift that you want more than anything? I mean, maybe it's just something still lingering from when you were a kid. You still haven't gotten that G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Uh, Guys know what I'm talking about. Um, Or there's something like, it's a car, something that's like, if I could, the ultimate gift, I really, 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 really want this this year. This is the thing I want. And this isn't a beauty pageant. You can't say world peace or something like that. We're not looking for the spiritual mature answer. What is the thing that it's like, this is what I want? Who would, give me somebody. Give me something. New golf clubs. My my daughter was very specific. (laughs) What else? What would you want for Christmas? What would be the thing that would be so awesome? New surfboard. Of course, Mark said that. (laughs) What else? In the Chicago River. There you go. (laughs) We have a bunch of kids with us up in service today. What would some of you all like? A puppy. That is a great gift to ask for. Leah, what would you want? A typewriter. Ooh, that's very cool. Anyone else? What would be the thing that you're like, if I could get this, this would be the thing that would be amazing? Very good. There's our mature answer. That's very good. Very mature answer. I want this awesome, humongous painting that's like seven feet by seven feet abstract. 
Oh, okay. Not, Johnny, come on, get on it, man. <laughs> we have, who, even though you didn't say something, who is thinking of something right now? Yeah, just that thing. It would be amazing to have this, that big thing on your proverbial wish list. Now, we get this idea of desiring something. It would be amazing to have this. I wish this was mine. It's natural to want to have something like that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's fine. This psalm that we're looking at today for Christmas is about someone who is desiring, longing, sp- specifically longing for God. And we see that in the first verse of Psalm 63. He says, My, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. He says, you are my God, not just a God, not just some pervert. You're my God. This is my God. And then he has these three phrases of longing. I'm intensely seeking after you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. He is longing for God. He's desiring God, wanting God, searching for God, more so than what we would want something else. His his heart has a longing for the Lord. And in the rest of the psalm, what he tells us is we hear what what it's like to find the Lord. He is searching, he is thirsting, he is wanting, he is longing, he is desiring God. And this is what it's like to find him, the rest of the psalm tells us. What What does he find in the Lord? Well, the first thing is that with God, we find love. With God, we find love. Nothing is better than God and his love for us. Look at verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. He remembers being in God's presence, in the presence of God. The sanctuary that he mentions is the place, the special place. God's everywhere, but there's something special about this place and God's presence. And he remembers the overwhelming awesomeness of being in God's power, being in God's presence, that glory of God. Psalm 96 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. So ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. That idea of his splendor, his majesty, beauty, strength, this is what he's remembering. And thinking of God's presence brings to mind God's never-ending love for us. The love of God. And he says, nothing is better. Nothing compares. Your steadfast love, God, is better than life. Nothing compares to the love of God. He says, God, when I think of the never-ending, always constant, intentional love for you that you have for us, I have to praise you. I have to sing because nothing is greater than your love for us. Now, I asked you just a second ago, what was that thing that you really wanted? Now, imagine you receive it. Imagine that you got it. Imagine that the thing, some of you are going to be disappointed tomorrow morning when you open presents and that thing isn't under the tree. But (laughs) 
What if you got it? Everybody else picked up. <laughs> what, if, what if those golf clubs were there? What if that typewriter was there? And the feeling that would come over us when we got the thing that we wanted. Well, I want you to look at this video of this little boy. It's not me. It's not one of my kids. I want to clarify that at the beginning. Of who really, 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 really wanted a video game system. And he opened it. He's just a little excited, right? No one acts that way about a pair of socks. Ever you act that way when you got the thing you wanted. When you received the thing you didn't think you were going to get. There's a response that comes out of you, but out of excitement, out of joy, out of yes. <laughs> we just can't compare with that kind of joy coming out of this little kid. And what the psalmist is saying is that when I receive the love of God, when I know the never-ending, always constant, intentionally consistent love of God that is better than life, that's what comes out of him. Because nothing else compares. Christmas is a good time to remind ourselves this. For all of the awesomeness that Christmas is, it is also fertile ground for disappointment. You wanted that one pair of shoes, but you got an umbrella. I was trying to think of what like the most like, uh, <laughs> I mean, umbrella seems like the most disappointing thing if you wanted something else. You wanted that game system, but you did get socks and underwear. Or you did get something amazing, but then a couple days later, it's ripped or broke. Any of the things that we compare God and his love for us to has the same track record. They will eventually bring disappointment or they will eventually break. They will eventually disappoint us. Even the best of things can't compete with the love of God. His love is better than everything. His love is better than anything else in this life. And so this morning for Christmas, some of you need to hear this because you've been rejecting the amazing love of God for trivial things. He has such love for you and such a heart for you and such hopes for you and such plans for you and such dreams for you bigger than your own. And you've been rejecting his love that's better than life for some of the minuscule things in life. And you need to receive the love of God. Some of you need to hear this because you don't realize how much he loves you. And maybe it's because of a sense of hurt. Maybe it's a sense of a sense of guilt. Maybe it's a sense of shame. Maybe it's just a sense of stubbornness or pride or whatever it is. But you don't think that God could love you or would love you. And God loves you more than you can comprehend. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And nothing else compares to the love of God for us. With God, we find his love that's better than life. The second thing that we find in the Lord is with God, we find joy. Joy. We experience joy 
when we remind ourselves of God's care for us. Look at verse 5. He says, My soul will be satisfied as with the fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. You've had that meal, whether it was at a restaurant or somebody cooked it, but you've had that meal that while you were eating it, you're just like, oh, this is so amazing. This is so good. And then when you're done and you're full, it's like, I can't, I can't eat anymore, but I want to because this is just such a good thing. We, in our household, we had this pizza place that we loved for the longest time, and it was a COVID close, and we couldn't really find a pizza place after that. But we found a pizza place, and we've ordered the pizza a couple different times. And every time we get it, I think I say the same thing. Have I ever told you guys how good this pizza is while we're eating it? I, and I'm not a pizza person. Being in youth ministry for so long ruined pizza for me, and this place has redeemed pizza for me. I love this place. And when I'm eating it, it's like, oh, this is good. And I'm not going to tell you what it is here. You got to come up and ask me and then I'll tell you. (laughs) But he's saying that our friend here says he experiences that same sensation to the point again of it. Again, he wants to burst out in singing. My soul is satisfied. My soul is satisfied like eating that meal because of what God has done. But when he experiences that joy, it's different in this section. He specifically says he remembers that and he feels that and he experiences that when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. And that's a really important detail. He's experiencing that, oh, the love of God, the goodness of God. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. At night, when he's laying in bed and thinking about the day, going over everything that's happened, he turns his focus to the Lord. How God has been with him, how God has led him, how God has protected him, how God has provided for him. Or when he thinks about the Lord, he thinks about the ponders the ways God has done those things previously, the way God has walked with him and cared for him and provided for him and brought people into his life. He's bringing all of these things into his mind. And when he brings those things into his mind about the Lord, he can't help but sing. That doesn't mean that there aren't nights that aren't difficult. There's probably different nights that are coming at the end of a day that was full of pain. And there's probably some nights he's doing this that at the end he was Full, full of pain, full of loneliness, full of anxiety, full of hurt. But it doesn't mean that he ignores those realities, it's, but it's what is his heart focused on? What is his mind focused on? And that's the point of all of that, is that when these feelings come, he directs his mind to the Lord, and he directs his mind to the ways that God has been a help to him and been a protector to him. Too often we keep our thoughts on the painful, lonely, difficult, or confusing situation, and we dwell on that, and we don't think about the reality of God, and that breeds despair. That makes despair even worse, anxiety even worse. When we dwell on it and don't turn our hearts to the Lord who walks with us through it, we don't experience the joy that he is experiencing, we experience the opposite. God never promises us that difficulty and pain and loss and hurt won't happen. 
but he does promise that he will walk with us with those things, and he will be with us in them, through them, and after them. He will give us strength. He will give us wisdom. He will give us guidance. He never tells us to minimize or ignore or reject the feelings, but we are to direct our hearts to him in the midst of them. And what this guy is saying in this psalm is that when he puts his eyes and heart on the Lord, joy comes out not despair, anxiety, and worry. And so this Christmas morning, what do you need to be reminded of about God? Or maybe corrected, of, corrected on about God? That he is the giver of life, that he's not boring, that he is gracious, that he is merciful, that he does care for you, that he does want the best for you, that he does have a plan for you. What do you need to be reminded of so that you can bring your hearts to those things when the difficult days are going on? What do you need to take your eyes off of so that you can focus on him? And again, that doesn't mean ignoring or minimizing or degrading or any of the hard things we're going through, but it's putting our eyes on the Lord in the midst of them. Do you need to know just how much he wants to help and care for you? When your eyes are on him, when you remind yourself of how good he is and how much he cares for you, then we experience the joy that he provides, the joy that goes beyond our circumstances. With God, we find joy. And then the last thing this psalmist tells us is that with God, we find victory. With God, we find victory. God's love wins against sin, evil, and death. Look at verse 9. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. Like I said just a second ago, there is difficulty, there is pain in this life. There's evil and there's pain, there's difficulty in this world. God never says that those things won't exist. Because God has given people the ability to make choices, and sometimes people use that ability to make choices that go against his character, against his ways, and that produces evil and difficulty and pain. Sometimes we experience those things because of our choices. Sometimes we experience those things because of the choices of others. Sometimes we experience those difficult things because of the choices of the first humans when they broke creation and ruined our relationship with God. These last few verses here hint at the larger cosmic reality that sin is defeated. Evil doesn't win. And there will be a day when there's no longer any tears. And we need to be reminded of that. 1 Corinthians 15, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 21 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. This Christmas morning, know it for the first time or be reminded again of the good news of Jesus. The good news of the gospel. It starts with bad news. The fact that we are all sinners. Romans says, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Sin 
is humanity's ability to royally screw up everything rather than trusting God and his ways. And sin has what broke creation. Sin introduced evil into the world and causes the brokenness that we experience in our lives. And the reality is, is that sin has consequences. We know in our society that crimes have consequences. That's not a foreign concept. So the Bible tells us that the consequence of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death, Romans says. And it also tells us that sin is what broke our relationship with God. Isaiah 59 says, But your iniquities, your sins, have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. But Jesus was born to make it possible for that to be restored, for that to be fixed, for us to be in right relationship with God. It says in John 3, for God, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And 1 Timothy says, well, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus wants us to be forgiven, to be restored, to be made new. Jesus saving us and giving us new life is a gift that we have to receive. It says in Ephesians, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you ta can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We're brought, we are made right with God because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. We're made right with God because we trust in what Jesus has done, not the different accomplishments we have or what our parents believe or what different good things we've done in this world. We don't trust in ourselves. We can't brag about anything. We need to brag about what Christ has done. He died in our place. He took our sin upon himself on the cross so that he could put his righteousness on us and so that God would look toward us. It says in Romans 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. We have to come before God and say, I am putting my faith in you. Not just I cognitively believe all this stuff is true, even though there's part of that, but who I am, I am aligning with you. I am identifying with you. That's what it means to put your faith in him. And so that's something, have you done that in your life? Is there a moment when you can say, I trusted my life to Jesus? Because when that happens, that's when you find life. Jesus won the victory over sin and death, and he offers us a life of grace joy, and hope. You might need to receive that gift today. If you never have, let today be the day you begin to trust him. You may need to be reminded of it today within the difficulty of the season, difficulty of the year, or whatever's going on, the busyness of it. We get forget the reality of who we are in him. And we need to, like this psalmist, bring our hearts back to him, back to everything we have found in the Lord. We need to trust him. And I, this Christmas Christmas is the type of thing that there's such good about it, but it also brings a lot of baggage with it. And the same thing can happen when it comes to the Lord as well. That we miss the opportunity for all the Lord has happened, wants to give us, 
because of baggage that we have because of other things. Maybe it's hurt within church or hurt with different people or anger or frustration with how something went down. And that's all legitimate things. So I'm not saying that those situations need to be minimized or ignored, but we don't want to reject the reality of God because somebody acted like an idiot. We don't want to reject the life that God has for us because we don't understand him. We don't want to reject the love that God has for us because we have a wrong understanding of who he is or the expectation he has. You need to find life in him. And don't miss out on the life that he gives you because of excuses that are hiding something deeper. You need to break through those things and see God for who he is. Somebody that when this guy, this guy found him, he's responding the way that kid did when he opened the Goodio game. And I guarantee anything that you're holding on to, it might feel that awesome, but it's not. Only Jesus gives us life like that. And he wants to give it to you. And it's a free gift. You just have to receive it. We're going to close today by receiving communion. And communion is a time when we remember and acknowledge what Jesus has done for us. To remember and acknowledge his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection from the dead that in him our sins are forgiven, and that through him we have life in him. And so as the team comes up, we're going to pass out some different elements to you. Um, I honestly don't know who's passing them out. Dave and Anna, can I? Oh, Lewis is doing it. Could I ask you guys to help with that? Um, we're, um, while, while those things are being passed out, uh, you're going to receive a tray that has some bread in it and a tray that has some juice. Just hold on to them for a moment, and then we'll receive communion together. While... Um, these things are being passed out. Um, we always uh, take a moment of just quiet reflection, of just prayer before the Lord, um, to be able to process what we've heard, to be able to process the message, the word that we've, we've heard. Maybe there's something you need to confess to the Lord. Maybe there's something you need to be grateful for. Maybe you just want to be quiet before him. Um, but this is a time to remember that what Jesus has done. If you are someone that hasn't put your faith in Jesus, if you're not following him, then communion isn't something that you need to do because you don't have anything to remember. You have something that you need to receive. And so this is an opportunity to take this time to trust in the Lord, to receive that gift that he's given. And so let's just be quiet before him while they're passing things out. We're going to be, have a prayerful moment of just quiet before the Lord, and then we'll receive communion together. That he brings light to our darkness. He brings light to ever, all the brokenness and the pain, the hopelessness that we have. He brings light. Isaiah 9, 6, For a child will be born, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is what we remember in communion, is that this is our Lord. He is that wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. He's the one that gives us peace, and he did this through the cross. He did this through his resurrection, and this is what we remember. And so God, we thank you and we praise you for your love for us. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for all that you've accomplished for us that we can be made right with you. God, I pray that you would forgive us when we turn our eyes to other things. I pray that you would draw us back. I pray that you would remind us of your grace and mercy, of your forgiveness, of how much you love us. 
We just praise you and thank you, Lord. And we remember all of this in your name. Let's receive communion together. thank you, Jesus, for everything. We thank you for being born so that we could live. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you want to pass the cups to the middle, we're going to collect those, and we're going to close with this last song.